Howdy do, buckaroos! This is Greetings from the Uncanny Valley, the incomparable TV podcast about Westworld. Thank you so much to Jason and everyone at Incomparable for hosting us. I am your host, Kelly Gamont. With me as always is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. Today we have a very special guest with us, Tom Bridge, making his triumphant return to the season two first time watch through. Hi, Tom. Hey Kelly, it's so glad to be. I'm so glad to be back, especially for this one. Woo-woo! Man, we we had to have you on a guest, Alan, as a guest for for reasons we'll we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, what we are going to do right now is step into analysis for season two, episode eight, Kiksuya, which is the Lakota word for remember. And uh, again, I want to start with the cold open. We don't have to spend a bunch of time on it, but uh, or not the cold open, but the previously. Because I'm really enjoying this previously, I keep talking about it because I keep really loving it and how efficient it is at bringing us up to speed about the stuff that kind of needs to be top of mind as the episode starts. With so, no dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> I've really been enjoying those. So um, every other showrunner, please emulate this particular technique. Yes. Yes. I don't necessarily need a bunch of conversation if you have just that moment to sort of bring back... Oh, that thing that happened that time. Yes, please. Please, please, please. Um, that's... And they don't they don't have to have Fred exposition uh, with a voiceover <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah, uh, with the stuff. It's great. So, uh, yeah, I, I am loving it. And they every episode is like they've gotten better and tighter and the cuts mm-hmm. are clearer. I'm as excited to see these little mini movies almost as much as the whole episode. Although, I will admit, the episode this time did outshine the previously. Just a hair. Well, <gasps> yeah, you could say that. As uh, an episode, this was outstanding. We've we've talked, uh, we've been talking about it a bunch all week. Um, uh, it actually, while we were recording the reaction show, uh, Tom was watching it in the airport. And was was a little misty right there in the terminal. And, I uh, may have been crying in front of strangers. I'm not going to lie. Security was called, weren't they, Tom? Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think so. Um, the Canadians are, are, are a more kindly and gentle people and just felt that I might be having a moment. And plus, I don't think they'd figured out that I was American, at least until I uh, was talking with someone in the, uh, the line uh, on the way into the plane. And so I did manage to escape from Canada without, uh, without assault. Um, you made it out but, alive. Very know, nice. Yeah, your I, vowels I are a dead well. giveaway, son. <laughs> they really, really are. Uh, I'm very clearly a Californian at heart, even if I have been spending my uh, last 18 years here on the East Coast. We'll forgive you. Yeah. So this episode was amazing in the sense that when it was over, my wife, who hardly ever says anything after the episode, says, mm-hmm. wow, this is this is the best episode of Westworld ever. This is like the best storytelling and characterization and emotion in an episode of TV, she said, that I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and not it, just Westworld. She was she was really taken aback by how much she got into the story, uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially with me just blasting the audio because I'm, I'm so goddamn deaf. So she sits actually in the other <laughs> room to watch it on the big 80-inch screen. Because I won't, I won't play. Put subtitles on the first time, which is her preferred way of watching TV. 
mm-hmm. is it doesn't matter what it is she likes subtitles on and uh she watched the whole thing uh with me like that and uh yeah she was like yeah tell him i like this one yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. you don't like most of them? well no no i like well, it but this one a lot yeah and, i almost and, wish it had been that there had been a little I know how this sounds, but stick with me. I almost wish there had been a little less plot, a little less plot advancement, as far as other stuff going on, like the bit with Charlotte. Um, only because if it had been a little bit more limited and been more of a bottle episode, this would absolutely rank up there as an hour of outstanding television, not an hour of outstanding Westworld, not an hour of outstanding HBO, not an hour of outstanding cable but an hour of outstanding TV. It would sit up there with, um, you know, the other things that we think of, like the the MASH finale and um, what's the other one I'm thinking of that I... Uh, the Inner Light from Next Genera- Star Trek Next Generation. It would be one of those hours of television that people would just sort of it would be like trot the const- out and enjoy. It would be like the constant from the fourth season of Lost. Yes. Or, or the, the miniseries from Battlestar Galactia, you know, the... Well, that's not one episode, though. Like, yes, that's self-contained. Yes, but like as an hour of TV. If we're going to talk about hours of of Battlestar Galactica, the only one to talk about then is thirty-three, which was right after. Well, just right after after it was. It it was absolutely excellent. So that is the quality here. And let's let's think about this. Nolan and Joy didn't write it or didn't direct it. Uh, This Mm -hmm. was written by Carly Rae and Dan Dietz, and it was directed by uh, Udi Brusowitz. But really, I think one of the people who really made this episode, obviously, is on McLarnan. And oh, if that, man. if he doesn't he, get an Academy Award nomination for this, I think this, it's an Emmy Award. It's, a, but, it's an uh, Emmy. Yeah, it's an Emmy for this. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, I haven't seen a performance like this from anybody in, in TV this year. Uh, not on the just expanse, not on any of the other shows, but yeah, just, well, and well, the thing is like, for me, it's not unexpected. He was so good in Longmire in, all, in all of the seasons of Longmire. And, you know, I've heard nothing but raves about his performance in Fargo, although I've never watched the second season. Um, you know, it's his performance is absolutely head and shoulders above any other performance we had this season. And there have been some amazing performances. Uh, Rinko well, just the core me. cast. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And, uh... yeah, yeah. and uh, but there was so much to love in the way he portrayed this season. Uh, and there's some really great interviews out there. And I'm thinking here of the, the one he recorded with uh, Joanna from The Vulture, um, which was part of their podcast, uh, Still no, Watching. That's, uh, um, uh, that's, that's Vanity from Fair. Vanity Fair. Oh, Vanity Joanna Fair. Robinson. Sorry, Vanity yeah. Fair. Oh, and, by, uh, jo- and- uh, by, by the way, Joanna Robinson uh, did, we were talking about hours of TV. She said, you know, she can count on one hand the hours of TV that... Uh, you know, and she named some things like from Buffy, uh, f- uh, from Lost, because uh, she's a big uh, she's a big Taylor too. Uh, that you know, just stunned her to her core, and this was one of them. She it's her yeah. favorite ep- episode of Westworld now. And if there's something that's going, uh, if if Westworld does take a Lost style season three dive. It's episode like uh, like this will that will make you grit your teeth to get through it. I hope to Christ that doesn't happen, but uh, well, and yeah, I just no need you to keep your mouth shut about it, Tom, Don, so that it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so don't jinx it. Uh, 
Yeah. But, you know, if we look at all of the stuff that could have gone wrong with this episode, uh, oh. there, there were several spots where I just felt it could have taken a nasty turn. I mean, having everything in Lakota uh, could have badly backfired. Uh, and especially, yeah, it could have been uh, cheesy, right? It could have been cheesy. It could have been false. It could have been fake. And instead, I, 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 McLarnan just nails it to the wall. Um, and is his performance was so affecting, especially when you think about how much makeup he's acting in. Uh, the Ghost Nation makeup is like acting with a prosthetic. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, to see so much of him in his face, in his character, uh, out there in his emoting was so incredibly um, uh, just moving. Uh, when he comes upon uh, uh, Kohana in the sub-levels, that broke my heart. That completely yes. wrecked me. And, and that was and one by of the ways we should, we should do was weeping. Yeah. We should give call-outs to Julia Jones as Kohana and yes. uh, Martin uh, Sens, uh, I want to pronounce his name right, Sensmeyer as uh, Wahatan. Uh, Irene Bedard as uh, Wichapi. And Irene Bedard, you know her. She's the voice of Pocahontas from Disney's Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boo Boo Stewart as Hattu. I mean, they went out and they actually got actors, a cast with a Native American heritage, you know? Mm-hmm. And like freaking Zon McLarnan, he's actually Lakota. I mean, Jesus, he and he's not fluent in the language. He'll he, uh, he'll tell you, but uh, they also got dialogue coaches and everything else. The other thing I like about it is the producers and the writers went out to um, Native American organizations and said, "This is what we want to do. Help us do it right, and not be stupid fucking white people about it. Mm-hmm. How do we do yeah. this?" and uh, they're the ones who suggested, you know, use a real language, use a uh, use a yeah. real Native American language. And one hint they got is don't use Navajo because that's what everybody else uses. Nothing against Navajo. And so that's one of the reasons they picked Lakota as the Ghost Nation language, because they wanted they wanted um, a widely spoken language that where, where they have a chance of like. Uh, uh, finding actors who could speak it and some who actually knew a uh, part of it. So mm-hmm. that, that is, that is gutsy uh, storytelling, uh, storytelling and uh, filmmaking to do it in the first place. And then, and then just the integrity to go about it the right way. Well, and can we talk about Car- Carly Ray's writing on this episode is nothing short of stellar. And she was already my favorite writer from the season after, uh, I think she's reunion, correct? Episode two. Yeah. I believe was her? she's reunion. I think so. Yeah. Let me, and, which was uh, the I other, that, uh, real quick, but, uh, I mean, that was I the believe- other, uh, you know, highlight of my season this year was episode two and getting much of the backstory there. She seems to be doing she also most wrote, by of the, the way, heavy lifting. Uh, she also wrote, uh, face space. Ah, very nice. And, you know, she was also deeply involved in The Leftovers, uh, which was a show I kind of took and left, um, but, you know, may revisit again uh, because her writing on this is so stellar. There's so much going on in every word. And, you know, much like the the, the, the whole process of No Frame Wasted this season, um, no word wasted, no line thrown away, no material just used as connective tissue. Everything here has structure and place. And that is hard to do, um, especially when you're trying to tell a complicated story and 
as much as we were talking about, hey, you know, we, wouldn't it be great if this was standalone? I, I feel like you still have to have the the connecting parts to the rest of the of the plot to move things oh, forward. Oh, I um, completely and, agree. But but I love the way that, it was. I love the way it was told. Is yes. in a sense a story because it's like the Native American version of how history is conveyed from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. It's storytelling, and right? I'm going to tell you a story of my life. And, yes. and I, I, I love that aspect. By the way, I I was not familiar with the director. Uh, she's German, uh, Uta Brisowitz, and somebody slapped me upside the head if I'm uh, mispronouncing her name. But... I thought the images that she captured and the direction she gave to Zahn and the other actors, because, you know, uh, McLernan said, Westworld's unlike any other show. You go in, like, for example, when he's doing all the scenes and stuff, he's never read the narration. That yeah. He's mm-hmm. doing all that stuff without knowing what he's actually saying later on. That whole uh, 45 minutes, 50 minutes of narration that he, he does, he said it took, you know, eight hours in the ADR studio to capture all that. That They really wanted to give it right, get it right. But he didn't actually know what was going on until he sat down in there. And he said, hmm. uh, he said that, uh, you know, that's a really hard way for an actor to work, but... He said he liked it in the end, and the thing is, uh, Nolan and Joy said the producers, uh, Carly Ray and Dan Dietz, who are also on set, and Uda gave him exactly what he needed um, to do the pieces. Well, and he also said his fellow actors, who you know, because they're Native Americans, they're in a lot of cowboy and Indian shows together. And he said Julia Jones, what. She helped him with, especially in the cold storage scene, which we'll get to talking about a little bit. He, he said he couldn't have done that with uh, without her. You know, you yeah. can't see on camera, but she's she's down there holding his hand, squeezing his hand, so he can get that feel. And if you're wondering uh, where else uh, you might have seen Uta Brezowitz's work, uh, you you might have seen her in Jessica Jones, where she directed two episodes: one from the first season, one from the second. Um, oh, two episodes. Of that's Carbon. right. Um, and then also uh, four episodes of Orange is the New Black. So, I mean, she's been she's done stuff you've seen out there in the world. And um, she has a new fan in me. Uh, her work here was uh, just tremendous in terms of how they actually set the shots, how they actually, you know, how many close up, just right up in uh, Zahn's face uh, did we have in that shot that were just so just absolutely perfect. Uh, so my, my sincerest congratulations to her, to her for the direction, to Carly Rae for the writing, uh, and, you know, the entire cast for just, you know, making this work. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the moment, there are so many great moments in this that were visual and writing moments that were, that were um, just put together so beautifully, where, uh, where he's talking to Anna, uh, you know, Maeve's daughter. Uh, throughout the entire episode, and I hadn't even begun to put it together that it was that it was um, <laughs> Maeve using the mesh network until right there at the end, and then that broke me as well. I couldn't save you. Yeah, in yep, italics. Exactly. And and that moment, and then they cut to Maeve laid open and on the table, and just a gut it's punch. just oh, 
And, that, and that's I, when you realize, because it never occurs to you, like more than one person has talked online about um, being native and this is how storytelling works. And no one in my, none of the native members of my family ever talked to me like I was a kid, like, like white people do. You know, it was always like you just talked to everyone the same. It's just, you know, your eye line changes a little depending who you're talking to. And that was it. And that was one thing that I that I saw more than one time. Yeah. And people talked about it. And so that moment, like that's the moment that it, you know, because so I didn't think anything of it. You know, that he's telling her all this stuff. You don't have to be afraid. And here's the story of of what happened to me and. You know how everything went because his story basically takes us through the entire li- timeline that we know about so far. Right, and and it's the transition from English to Lakota. I went back through the episode and transcribed the lines. As you know, when a Ketchita comes to Maeve's daughter, mm-hmm. and she's sort of trembling a bit there, sitting on the on the log, and he he asks, and just the gentlest voice, nicest man. Uh, I just want him over for dinner. In full makeup. Uh, I'm sure he'd be very polite. Are you afraid of me? <laughs> he can't hurt you, Point, you know, pointing to the man in black. Then mm-hmm. he uh, he says in Lakota, and obviously to Maeve, you can remember all the things you've seen, can't you? All the lies we've lived. So can I. Mm-hmm. And then it's later yeah. on where he says, you know, he's still in Lakota. There were days I, when he's talking about you know, surviving for almost a decade without dying. There were days I had to fight for my life. I feared if I died, I would lose even her memory, meaning Kohana. And then he switches to English again, looking at Maeve's daughter. But on my darkest day, you helped me. You gave me strength to keep going. You saw me for uh, who I really was. And it's, it's obvious he's talking to Maeve's daughter then. You know, yeah, and then he, then it's you know uh, later on he says it's time to go. I've always kept you safe, and I always will, in English. And then he switches, and this is toward the end. He switches to Lakota, but I couldn't help you, and that's the line you're talking about, right, Kelly? Mm-hmm. The, yep. You in italics. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so it's that switching back and forth from English to Lakota. I, I, I had to see it the second time. And it was like somebody just hit me with a fucking two by four. I went, who thought of that? That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. What what a way to set the story. And I also want to say, call out some acting. Um, Tandy Newton as Maeve just acting mm. with veins, uh, you know, on her face or neck, her eyes, just subtle movements of her mouth. I mean, the only time she ever says anything in the episode is either at the very end or in f- a few flashbacks. So yeah, I I am just so in love with the storytelling here. And yeah. what is it that she says? The one line she actually has in the episode. Oh god, she says, "Take my heart when you go in Lakota." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Oh God! So, and and they I took, think I they have took a new our favorite. hearts when they went because yes. it faded to black right there. <laughs> I have a new favorite Voight Comte test, and it is this episode. Yeah. 
because oh my god like yeah if you can watch this and just eh so uh, that brings us to the second headline of the evening where it turns out that Tom's wife is in fact the final, the final Cylon it is not Bernard well yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will give my wife some credit because I, I had her expound upon the uh, I had initially tweeted that if this episode doesn't make you cry uh, you know uh, <laughs> it doesn't make you cry at least twice um, yes. then you should stop all motor functions because you're very definitely a host and uh, she, you know she quote tweeted me as if to say well <laughs> got some bad sweetie um <laughs> Uh, she did not care for I, I, I think it's she's still a little bit bitter at uh, Nolan and Joy because she had put together the the mental timeline of the show a little bit differently than um, the rest of us had. Uh, and she's not somebody who spends a lot of time out there, you know, kind of thinking about it after the fact. No podcasts, no Reddit, no none of that. Um, and she had put it together in two time frames and not in three. And so she had a bunch of events out of order. And so she was really frustrated with the producers of the show as part of all of that. And, you know, related to all of that, she was uh, a little bit frustrated with their level of emotional manipulation this season. And so, you know, kind of didn't come away from it as believing. Uh, Now, I mean, it's not that she doesn't appreciate the great work of all of the people that we've already named. Um, she just kind of felt that, you know, on the heels of trying to put everything together a little bit differently, she had uh, a, a little bit of, shall we say, trust issues uh, with the show as a whole, because you, it, there is something that I, I, I hope well, that more very, showrunners recognize. It's very definitely not is, Matlock, though, you know? <laughs> well, no, but I mean, there's also, you, you have to beware the unreliable narrator, because it, when, it, you, you know, we get to the point where they can do anything, say anything, change anything, and, you know, we'll get to some of that retconiness uh, in, in just a little bit, but um, where everything's in flux in service of trying to be clever, uh, it can be a little bit frustrating to be a fan of the show, and I totally hear her there, well, because as much as I love a good puzzle box, um, if it doesn't meet a very, very high standard, I mean, you're just dicking around with people's emotions, and that's something that writers love to do. It's just that they have to do it well, well and there are moments where it's been a challenge this season. Well, I would agree. Now, this story was one of the most, even though the majority of it is in a flashback, it's very obvious that it's a flashback and it's pretty uh, linear. But speaking of time frames, just so I can help any listeners out that might have been confused, this entire episode is actually in the past. In other words, it it happens uh, before Bernard wakes on the beach in episode one. This is the problem that your wife was having trouble putting together right. Uh, It's just after Maeve is taken back to the Mesa after being shot and after Dolores leaves uh, the Mesa with her father's control unit, which we saw last episode. Um, And it's about one week prior to when Bernard is waterboarded, which we saw as part of the, the bookends to last week's episode, which that happens in the very latest time frame. That would, that would be the present as far as this show is concerned. And everything else is a flashback all the way to the beginnings of before the park park opened when uh, Arnold uh, committed suicide uh, via Deathbringer, which, by the way, uh, I just love that name. Dolores gets possibly the most metal sobriquet ever with Deathbringer. I just just love that. So it goes that whole that all the way back. But the nice thing is the flashback in this episode is at least linear, right? 
everything takes place in sequence. Mm-hmm. They don't hop around in the past, at least. Right. Uh, which is uh, props to them for that, because uh, my wife commented that, you know, if you're going to do a time frame jump, this is the way to do it, right? Because she had, I swear to God, in the um, uh, the previous episode uh, that we saw, that was the uh, the episode where she finally grokked that, oh shit. There's actually two time frames going on. You know, there's when Bernard is on the beach and there's this stuff that happened the week before, right? And it just hadn't sunken in completely. And so she was she was actually a little annoyed at last week because she hadn't she hadn't put two and two together again. And she's not stupid. I mean, she she uh I, I mean she she got through all of lost all of fringe and lots of other shows like that so she was uh she also was a little annoyed at the producers but <laughs> uh it you know it didn't it didn't take the the bloom off of this uh this episode for her because she's also a, bi- a big fan of uh different storytelling which i really liked uh, and yeah. you were talking about retconning. Uh, so Akechita and the Ghost Nation are now retconned into the Westworld mythos, which, and I think it almost perfectly, except for that fucking carving of the maze into their sky. I'm so, so just, mad about that. Yes. I, Please I, I rant on that, Kelly. <laughs> By all means, Kelly. <laughs> Let loose. Okay. I thought I was onto something. Generally, when I'm when I'm wrong about something, I'm not mad about it. Like, okay, I was wrong, you know. It and either it was explain a what I you really were wrong loved. about because I still think you're right. I'm not that far yet. <laughs> so sometimes I'm wrong about a theory. Like it sounded kind of fun, but I can see why it doesn't hold up, or I can see why they went a different way. So whatever. And sometimes I'm really sad to let that theory go because I really thought I was onto something and. Um, I'm probably going to put my my whole theory about Charlotte in that category. And this one just makes me mad because I really thought that this was fucking bulletproof. I was so, you know, like, it's just this moment of like, here's the problem, is that I thought I was right and I thought I was really onto something. I thought you were onto something. And I thought it was fucking airtight. Like, this is how they communicate with each other. and Or, you know, or how the old system communicates with people. And then we find out that this did start, in fact, happening a long time ago. And then we also find out that somehow, like, then we find out that the hosts do, in fact, have a network of their own with which they can communicate from host to host. So I'm like, well, duh. Yeah, this like all, all you're doing is lending weight. You're just making my theory fucking watertight. Yeah, as soon as we point. heard about the Mesh Network, I figured slam dunk, it's done, right? Yeah. Until this episode. Yeah. So I'm like, well, of course. So now, all I'm left with is not a solid theory. What I'm left with is like 108 goddamn questions about how is Akitada. Peeling off people's heads, carving it in, and putting them back. And, like, nobody in the fucking body shop noticed? Nobody? Are you kidding me? Oh, my... That's not a well, thing! I don't need... Is... The, 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 I don't need... Kelly. The Lisa and Jonah podcast to tell me this is not a thing. Affect. This is not a thing! Ah! <laughs> uh-uh. No! So, 
I mean, this is again the same body shop that employs Sylvester. So, <laughs> or the just saying, or the knuckleheads in this show, and they they were all from Behavior, and they were knuckleheads. Oh yeah. Can we talk uh, about Behavior for a minute? Who was she? Well, she yeah. now. He, by the way, that I didn't write this in our show notes, but the uh, the older lady with the red hair, the one that we see in the when Akichita finally goes in after ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, you know, alpha too. He's alpha too. Um, she's obviously the head of behavior, which, what does that tell you? Ford hasn't rolled out, uh, Bernard 1.0 yet at this time. Exactly. Right. And so he, he's not, uh, he's not there yet. Now, Tom, was it you or Jim who had the theory that the first lady we saw at the red, uh, red hair, Oh, that was the me. younger version. Um, uh, that was- yeah, and I was kind of wondering if that might be the case, if that's what they were trying to incept was essentially, you know, the younger person in the blue jacket when they are first, you know, post-alpha cycle, um, just deal- when, they, when they make him essentially the ghost nation as opposed to uh, the, the, the tribe that he was before. Oh, okay, uh, when know, they have the conversation the, about, like, just leave the- all the shit in there but don't address it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that exactly. Okay. And uh, so she and also so has red, pe- red hair pulled. People pulled back into a bun and kind of looks like that could be the older version of that person. But I went into the credits and looked up the actresses and they don't into credits. They're not listing them as the you know young version, old version, or even right. no, exactly. equivalent stuff. Behavior so. head, I yeah. think is it. Yeah, And then we get like concerned tech, which is an equally useful yeah. character title. Well, you know what they mm-hmm. call the 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 two guys who pick up Kohana mm-hmm. in uh, Dune Buggy? They call them uh, what they, uh, the credits are uh, bunny suits. Yeah, that, that is yeah. actually what's in the credits. I did enjoy bunny that. Suits. Yeah. So, uh, well, I appreciate the sense of humor, but not the lack of clarity. And uh, so, oh, for sure. So there was something else. Uh, you know, the the retconning in was was very, very clear, except for another problem, and it wasn't just the scalping thing. So remember when Barely Awake Akechida speaks to uh, Wachapi, that's Irene uh, Bedard, um, about her replacement son, and she's not quite awake yet, and he's her, just her barely, yeah, her ghost. Uh, she tells him about the members of her tribe who already know of the shades. Remember when Hector mm-hmm. was talking about the shades? I think it's in episode two or three last year from the underworld. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, who the fuck woke those people up and how do they know more than a Ketchita who's barely awake? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, and here's my thing, though. I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, you can feel unease with the situation that you're in without necessarily breaking free from it. And he may be the first to break free from it, but he's actually talking to people about their unease. And I feel like there is something that exists out there in the the code for the original tribe that essentially, you know, lent itself to their eventual awakening. And I love, love, love the... um, you know, the kind of parallel that we get to, uh, you know, so many crazy things in modern culture where essentially, you know, the, all the white people think they invented America when the uh, native population was here for centuries and centuries and centuries before we arrived. And uh, it, that seems to be a little bit of the parallel of a Ketchita waking up before Dolores. Yes. Uh, and, and I love I, I enjoyed that. 
I I love that aspect of it, and and uh, the fact that he was a uh, uh, awake before uh, Dolores. But if you look at all three of them, they all have different sets of knowledge and yes. and awareness about different things. I I think it's obvious to me that Dolores knows much more about the valley beyond the door, the big ass server farm or whatever, uh, than a catch it and Maeve, right? Because, you know, she knows what the key to the door is. She pulled it out of her father's head, which is just a right. gruesome thought. Yes. A- right. And so they don't, they don't know how to uh, catch it. certainly didn't know how to open the door. He knew what it was. And oh, by the way, I, I props to uh, whoever it was on Reddit that I saw today who did a zoom in of uh, what's obviously a later stage of remember at the end of episode two reunion where uh, young William shows to uh, uh, Dolores. Uh, have you ever seen so, uh, something so full of splendor? You know, the, building the um, uh, oh, uh, his the special project. On the ground or yeah, yeah. we it see it later yeah. on. We see it later on through a catch of his eyes. And somebody on Reddit went and looked at the picture in detail. And it's really funny. I went and looked at it myself. There are nine levels to that building. And I don't think it's... <laughs> I don't think it's a... Con- coincidence that that maps perfectly to the nine levels of hell in Dante's Inferno. <laughs> so <laughs> just just attention to detail in this show on some things uh, is really good. Oh, for sure. Now, this retconning and how it's not perfect, I think part of the problem is um, somebody else on Reddit also reminded me today that a catch of this whole story in season two may be a result of uh, the the late great Eddie uh, Roos dying after mm. filming the pilot. He he's the one who played Kissy. Yeah, and he was the, the one actor who, who played Kissy passed away after they filmed the pilot. So anything else they were going to be able to do with his character got eliminated because they couldn't bring him back. Yeah, and there's a theory right. that Clifton Collins Jr. was actually hired uh, for episode two and ongoing because. They needed someone to be the man in black sidekick, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if that's true, but it, it was clearly, it seemed like they were they were planning some sort of native culture type thing with Kissy ongoing, and that had to just get completely shelved, which probably made for the for the reason why some of the things were so awkwardly retconned, like the scalp shit, uh, you know, they're not perfect. Well, so. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them any, I'm not going to cut them any breaks uh, on the scalp thing, because I do think that that was a little bit, eh, not great kids. Not great. I'm um, not a huge fan of that. I feel like uh, they, they missed something there. Um, well, I'm not going to say I feel that like they we're missed everything but right now because maybe. we're going to get to the end of the season and be like, Oh, but I'm just having the hardest time with how nobody noticed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe they'll well, explain more, uh, more of that in the, uh, behind the scenes video. They really didn't talk about this. They, uh, they talked more about the approach to the episode itself, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. By the way, well, you know, if you have other... a, folks, if you have an HBO subscription 
Or if you just know how to use a web browser like Safari, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and you can, you know, you can search YouTube, all the behind the scenes videos are put on there like immediately as soon as the episode goes out. Or you can, you can look at them with HBO Go or HBO Now or whatever. And the behind the scenes videos for every episode this season have been fascinating. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Um, so one of the thing that was I feel like was retconned and that I have questions about has more to do with that scene down in uh, storage. And, you know, this season we've seen kind of zombie Clementine and we've also kind mm-hmm. of seen reanimated Abernathy. Um, and I, I have questions because it, it, they've shown this happened to Abernathy and to Clementine. If you get the nose probe of death. Um, which is, I guess, like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the nose trimmer gets a little bit too close uh, up mm-hmm. to the top of the name. Disconnects the, the wires, as uh, Angela well, Serafian said. Well, right. And so, I mean, <laughs> my, my whole Clementine. deal with that yeah, it, it is that I, I have questions about that because I, I feel like it's, it, there, are, there are supposed to be rules in, in any given world. Um, and I feel like the rules around deactivation of hosts are not necessarily clear to the, uh, the viewer. I hope that they are clear to the writer um, because I, I don't feel like I have a good handle on what that nose probey thing is supposed to do. Is it supposed to just breach the cortical chamber and it drains out all the cortical fluid and then everything shorts out in their brain? Um, but I mean, the other question is, why do they have to deactivate that? Or why do they store the deactivated hosts at all when essentially their code is printed onto a control unit, which is the size of a marble, and they can make a new host in you know the matter of hours? Um, I don't understand why they keep the old models, especially when, you know, essentially I, I, I have to think that those are um, computer driven. So I, I don't understand well, why they're keeping them And how does that work or in the sense with the, uh, the backups in the cradle? Because if, if right. suddenly a host goes off their rocker and goes nuts, I mean, just go to the backup, the previous backup you had, roll them back to that. Uh, and run with that. It's like, you know, you corrupted the file system. Uh, things went uh, crazy. Just get your, uh, as you've taught me the last week, uh, Tom, uh, get your cloned copy of the OS uh, yeah. and your data and just restore to a new drive. I, I mean, uh, so Tom, are you still working on your IT presentation? What did you what did what did you call it? I love the name. I've got a I've got an I've got an offer. I've got a I've got a, a piece together, and it's essentially I learned about IT. I learned in Westworld, um, and you know, which came so together many... in our iMessage thread this week. I need to point out. So yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things that are there. I mean, this entire season was avoidable if they you know just kept one off site backup someplace um, and you know I mean you can definitely store your key separate from your backup data I'm just saying guys there are reasonable to make this work um, I mean then again maybe with data stores as long as talking about but then they wouldn't be able to smuggle it out in Abernathy so um, I think there are a lot of questions from an IT perspective like um, oh, by the way know, smuggling out you'd Smuggling it out in Abernathy, one thing that got clarified last episode, and people keep bringing it's this up. key. Yeah, it, it's just an encryption key that's in Abernathy. It's not all the data in the park, because that wouldn't make sense. You know, you well, have all and, the... You know, I, I, I guess I have questions about their key store practices. And guys, yeah. one, it's a thing. <laughs> and um, there's another but, slide. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one of the other things that, that, that bugs me from like an IT practice is, um, it, but it was the coolest moment uh, on the show was essentially a catcher coming in for the first time in nine years. Um, he hasn't died in nine years. <laughs> it's like finding that server that still responds to ping and SSH, but you can't physically locate you it because everything it in the is? department has moved. Yeah. Um, and and like, sure enough, how it, they not have it's not going to be running Windows system. or Mac OS. It's going to be running Linux. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just have questions about how you do your asset management at that point, if that's how that ends up happening. Right. So, Six I mean, cubicle moves you, later, somebody finds it under their desk and just decides well, it's part of the scenery, and that's that. Well, exactly. It, what did Kelly say, uh, say earlier? Uh, I think the explanation is Sylvester works there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, but anyway, look for that presentation uh, sometime. Oh, I'm going to go to that show. I, I will fly um, to that show. Um, <laughs> the other question I had is, uh, so if Akechita went almost a, a decade still being in running alpha software, does that mean his hardware is still mechanical? In other words, does he have right. a spring-loaded head? That uh, was one and, of the things and, I wondered about when they were talking about his, his software version and stuff because the other thing that I wondered was why didn't anybody stop and think about like if they only come in when they die, like is there some way to find out who has like no maintenance record in the last twelve to eighteen months so you can make sure they come in? Yeah. Like I think that was something like that was what I dropped in the chat in the iMessage thread to Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like, no, I completely agree. That doesn't with you. Bu- like that that bugs me a little bit, like that that's a thing that, that uh isn't actually happening. Well there there are other things in the episode is like uh, that, and we'll get we'll get past the trashing of the episode to talk about and why we actually like the episode in a little bit. Well, but you know how did how did the Ghost Nation heal the man in ba- uh, black if they don't have the tech people's well, laser doodad nose hair trimmers, right? And what was his sickness? Yeah, like is it just well, I think the rampant douchery or what? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's the rampant violence that's kind of overtaken the Westworld as a whole back to Ford and to uh, William, who's looking for, who's constantly looking for this game that he can't find um, and who has killed pretty much everybody in that camp more than once. Um, and you know, I, I think that must be what he's talking about unless we're, unless I'm missing something. Uh, I, um, and, of course, that's one of those lines that will become a lot more clear once we've gotten to the end of the season. Well, I think it's going to be a lot more clear actually next episode. Episode nine. Probably. We'll get we'll get to looking ahead in a little bit, but let's go back to uh, some of the great things about this episode. Somebody pointed out, multiple people pointed out online that uh, Akechita, after he loses uh, Kohana the second time, uh, and where he basically decides to die to journey to cold storage to find Kohana is a parallel not only to the story of Orpheus and uh, Eurydice from Greek myth, but I didn't know this. It's also a parallel to the Algonquin uh, tale, which is uh, Algonquin uh, Native American uh, tribe, uh, tale of the spirit bride. And I found out more about that this week and I was like, oh, wow. So anytime you can bring in the underworld into Mm -hmm. a story, you know that makes for great TV. Well, uh, and I feel like it's the romantic ideal of I've loved you. I I, I will love you through death and into the end of the after, afterlife. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to say I think that that is a as a as a 
uh, as a meme that exists in cultural uh, studies, it certainly has a lot of value um, because, yeah. you know, our time here is so short uh, and, you know, wanting to pass that, to extend past that re- reality, I think is something that, uh, you know, has a lot of uh, emotional weight well, and they use it so very well. in this show. Oh, so very well. And uh, as I think, Kelly, you were saying the, the greatest line ever, take my heart when you go. And it wasn't until after the episode when I'm like, uh, I'm thinking, holy shit, that is such a clear reference to episode five, or rather episode yep. six, where Akane takes Akane. us, yeah, uh, takes Sakura's uh, heart uh, and to be uh, buried or consumed. And I was like, you just could have hit me up side the head with a shovel there it's like oh god nice telegraphing and then there's there's great lines in there uh i just love it when i see uh with ed harris and anthony hopkins he's back again this episode i hope he's Mm -hmm. in the next two episodes too uh where ford was telling him uh when he put him in analysis all this time, you've been a flower growing in the darkness. And I don't know why, I just fucking love that line. Well, and it's also, so it harkens back to something that he says to Dolores much earlier in the season. Oh, yes. Um, and yeah. so there's a lot of, you know, parallel there. Uh, and Your that, mind you is know, a walled garden? What, yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like it also presents Dolores a choice uh, in terms of who she's going to be. And it seems to me clear that she intends to be the villain uh, what follows and that perhaps uh, Akechita uh, represents a more enlightened version of what the future might hold. Uh, so I'm I, excited to see them kind of. I'm not necessarily future. on that train because. I think they're we're talking about the the Nolans here, right? And it's true that Jonah Nolan was, you know, uh, the guy who pinned the line. You know, either live long enough to see yourself the hero, or you know, become the villain uh, from the Dark Knight. But I think this is bait and switch. I think we still don't know what Deathbringer has in mind here. And I don't necessarily think that Dolores is going to be at war with the Ketchup and Maeve when the time comes, but we'll see. I could be well, wrong about that. We see, we, we see her in the very first episode, go after uh, one of the ghost nation braves. Um, and, you know, in, in the recording, you know, they pull the brain cupcake out of the guy's head and shove it into the tablet for the first time. And, you know, we, we see her say that not everybody gets to go to the ballot beyond. And essentially guns down uh, a member of, of right, but we tribe. don't know what the context of that is, right? Hey, I'm with you. I'm just right. telling but you. But we what also, the I went of back and watched that. Looks like. I went back and watched right before we started recording. I went and watched that first bit to see who it was. And now that we've had a whole episode of Ghost Nation, I oh, wanted to yeah. see if we knew who he was. And I have no idea who he was. No, he's not any of the people that were in this so, episode. Yeah, like. I know how this sounds, but we're talking about Westworld. So, so far we haven't seen him yet, like as his own individual character. It wasn't anybody that we saw in this episode that was regularly interacting with the Kitchener or anybody else. Uh, we just didn't see it. We haven't seen it. So yeah. that was the thing that I was sort of hoping. Yeah, it, 
I thought I went back and looked too because I thought maybe it was uh, Wahatan or Etu, right? And it wasn't. So, mm-hmm. so something's going well, on you know, there. The other interesting piece that we get this week is a, is another parallel between Akechita and Maeve, and 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 I do think it's interesting because you know if we look back to the first first season, uh, you know it, it, we tie Maeve's awakening to Abernathy. Um, but I'm not sure that's who woke her up. I suspect that that Maeve was actually or a, a lo- uh, Maeve. Oh, uh, to because um, there's the touch. But yeah. Do, do you mean to um, the man in black waking her up? No, because you said Maeve and Abernathy. Um, I don't get the connection there. Uh, there's there's a moment in in the first season where uh, he whispers to Maeve. She whispers to her. No, it's Dolores. Oh, is it Delor- no. it's Dolores. Dolores whispers to Maeve. They spend four seconds together in season one, and those are the four seconds. She says those something about seconds. like, okay. I, like these violent. Get off my porch! Not- I don't want people thinking that you know that you're indicative of what's inside or whatever. Oh, and a- then Dolores tells her these violent delights have violent ends, and then walks away. Yeah, and that's when we start and, seeing and- a whole lot more Maeve. Well, right, and and it's interesting because that could be considered her awakening initially, but it's not that at all. Um, and you know, the the awakening goes back much, much deeper uh, than that. But and it's not so a catch I, I that like... sparked that awakening. It's actually the um, uh, the torment the... by the man in black. Uh, and... You know, killing her daughter because it was it was her daughter. Uh, remember when in episode well, we I also believe it's get eight? The, we also get the, the the stone with the blood of uh, you know the blood maze that's there and you know they've carved the uh, you know the maze she ends up in that uh, you know in that uh, hewn maze in front of her house as well mm-hmm. and that was definitely not Williams so um, I, I think it's a little bit it's a little bit less clear uh, how she ends up a more awake uh, host. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm actually clear how she ends up in a wake host because of the, um, what is it, the, the uh, suffering of losing her daughter. What is clear from Akechita telling her the story is about misunderstandings. You know, you misunderstood me. I was actually trying to, um, you know, when he said, but in I couldn't world, help you. Intentions are easily misunderstood. Exactly. And so this is a big realization for Maeve, which is why I think she says as a way of respect and and admiration and and thankfulness, take my heart where uh when you go. Uh mm-hmm. at the end, she realizes that she was seeing him all wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, was blind to that for the long time. That's why, like, uh, two episodes ago, she was screaming at him in the field, you know, your path leads to hell. So, right, she has no idea. And that was part of why I thought, A, she used that exact phrase, B, she said it in Lakota, and C, it was, to me, it was also permission yes. for to take her daughter with them because that's literally what he is doing is taking her heart when because that's what's driven her this entire time right and that's the illusion that's the illusion to akane and sakura right right exactly and the thing that was interesting to me in this episode or that struck me as as we were watching was how akichita reminded me of dolores 
in how in in the waking up and sort of doing these laps of waking up uh, through the oh. park. And I don't think he did it and and got rolled back and did it and got rolled back or anything like that, like what we've seen with Dolores, because his his fundamental approach is different. I mean, we already saw like there's something special about him in the first place because he says, I gave myself a new drive. He looks at the dude that gave him his drive in the first place and says, I gave myself a new drive and doesn't really melt down over any of this stuff. You know, like to not, him, it's not, not the same way weird. that Dolores and Maeve did. I mean, their suffering was just horrific. Right. But like from a fundamental level, like him finding out there's a door to another world that this world is wrong and that there's another world instead. Like to him, that was like, all right. You know, and like, well, he's a lot I more. Pers- I know they're hosts, but the white people had a hard time with that. You know, <laughs> well, like no, other- that's totally it. It's a perception. He's much more perceptive than the other two. Well, and and spiritual, which was which, the, and the reason that that's interesting to me is because, like, uh, you know, we get the whatever tongue Ford saw fit to give you, or whatever. You know, the the way that. Uh, the man in black is sort of dismissive of whatever their backstory deal is because he's just assuming it's heavy handed and not legit and that they didn't get anybody to come in and actually help them build Indians. They just built Indians out of like, you know, enough, enough old cowboy movies and then called it good. And that doesn't seem to be what happened in this particular case. And, you know, one of the, and the thing that I think illustrated that to me the most clearly was, first of all, taking it very calmly, uh, you know, like when, when Logan looks at him and says, uh, this is the wrong world. First of all, let's spend a minute and go, oh, hi, Logan. <laughs> yeah, um, about that. yeah, crispy motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, he like we see him briefly, although, again, we still have no idea what happened to him. Once he made it out to the desert, all we know is that his horse died, and then occasionally gives him a blanket. Doesn't give him any aid, just a blanket. Doesn't give him any water. So, you know, thanks for nothing. Uh, Now, it didn't look like he had any, so I'm not going to begrudge him that. But at the same time, like, you know. Well, that's not much of a Samaritan uh, reflex there, just a blanket. Well, he did keep him out of the sun, and it was only, it was his saddle, and... For people who've not ridden a horse bareback, it's really uncomfortable, even if all you have is a blanket. And then if you take the blanket off, it just gets worse. So I assure you that he had a very uncomfortable ride home across the top of that sand dune. How, yep. But moving on, um, the thing that the thing that that stood out to me about it was him sort of you know doing these laps, but then being okay with it, and that his approach to all of that was just oh. I'm adding to my understanding. And then he has that moment in cold storage when he finds Kohana and says, that was the moment I realized that my pain was selfish because all of these other people, and I don't remember how he put it, but he's, you know, all of these other people are that same sorrow for someone else. Someone else is carrying this exact same sorrow as me for every one of these other people in here. He's the sensitive one. And just, the way that and and the way he described it and then watching him stand there in that moment and realize like 
he can't bring her back. She's not, you know, she like she's done. Like, you know, he spent all this time looking for her. He died in order to find her and now found out it was for nothing because it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get her back. And then finding out that all of that pain and heartbreak and suffering that he has has happened at least once for every one of those other people that is standing next to her down there. And this gave me the side question of, are we ever going to see the sub-basements when they weren't the sub-basements and they were actually new? Because we know they didn't put that giant Delos globe down there for fucking cold storage hosts to stare at all the time. Yeah, it's not, it's not for the so, mid-locker. I want to know the story of that part of the building, first of all. Uh, but second of all, like watching him sort of talk about, you know, all the lifetimes we lived and, and the way that he talks about it, like it didn't break anything in him. It seems like as he woke up, he sort of stayed the same. And we saw how Dolores changed and we saw how Teddy changed. And it doesn't seem like it really changed him at all. He just had more understanding. Yeah, but you know, isn't that the the way with people? I mean, Maeve's reaction um you could say maybe Some people that's more don't do well with knowledge, Don. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh was very very different from Akechita and it was her, she was much more manipulative and selfish in a way than he was. Mm-hmm. Uh and certainly Dolores was uh Certainly, you know, you could interpret her actions as as very vengeful if you if you wanted to go mm-hmm. down that route. And his didn't. Well, seem she to be, did. Yeah. So, so yes. She, <laughs> popping a cap in everybody's ass at the gala. Right. But, you know, there's still some things that a catch it and ghost nation are doing that still don't make sense to me. Like, for example, you know, why were the ghost nation killing hosts and protecting humans that we saw in previous episodes this season? For example, well, we when, know he knows enough about like the ones I couldn't harm or whatever it is that he says about, you know, there, then there were the ones I couldn't kill, the newcomers, and that's when he comes up on Logan. Right, but if he's so enlightened, why is he killing other hosts? I, I don't get it. Does he understand I, the, you know, the the Westworld circle of life? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yet, but I feel like we're going to find out. And I thought it was really interesting to sort of uh find out like the other thing to me that i thought was was a small but big moment was when he goes back and talks to the woman whose son got swapped out whose name escapes me at the moment and he goes Uh, and talks to her and says i found your son yeah we choppy choppy i know about like i know about your ghost and all of the people who realize that they have this ghost and that that's what they're living with banded together as a nation and became the ghost nation, which is a small thing, but kind of a big thing. Like I sort of wondered where that came from, you know, as soon as they started calling them that, like, who are they? And like, that was a theory I I'm totally fine with being wrong about like who they are. I thought they were well, part of I thought that was on the text you know, tablet. Independently controlled. I thought that was on the text tablet. The, you know, a catch it, a ghost nation was the name that was on, um oh uh, maybe it was i don't know yeah I, th- I think it was on the tablet so but i like your explanation much better now that i think about it because it, you know it's kind of circular if ford gave them that name mm-hmm. right 
Yeah, uh, and the conversation and, oh, by with the way, Ford was kind of interesting. Speaking of filmmaking, uh, the staging of a catch it is meeting with Ford, how f- fucking bizarro and weird is that? And how awesome uh, is Anthony Hopkins doing anything? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, did but, you listen see, to that? See, that just gave me another 97 questions. Like, why is everything paused there? Like, yeah, you know, yes. why would you stop a bunch of people mid bear attack? You know? Yeah. I, well, I, I mean, Ford doing Ford things. I, I, I think that's probably <laughs> the best way to phrase it. Ford's and, got a Ford. It, it's there to frame Ford as this omnipotent force and that, you know, he is this all-knowing, you know, uh, God figure in this world. Yeah. Uh, and the, that's there to that's there for his mythos and his mythos alone. Uh, and, and, and I feel like that that's, you know, a big piece of it. And, you know, I, I think I got to go with Tom on thing, this one, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the other interesting thing that we get to see for the first time is the door itself. And yes. where Ake has, you know, ventured out further than he'd ventured before, which is out to what we now know is, I think, Sector 14 of the park, which is where the, 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 the valley beyond is mm-hmm. and where that giant buried space is. And, and, and there's some thought that that's a giant server farm. And there was a really interesting uh, theory on Reddit that this is essentially San Junipero from uh, uh, the uh, Black Mirror, uh, but for this world where it's essentially storing digitally a whole bunch of souls. Uh, they sold me on they that theory living, on Reddit. I, they, I read, yeah, and I, I read I, that article and I, I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like that, that there's some value to that and that that would be the thing that you'd want the encryption key for. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to be you know super interesting to see where we go with that and what the key and the door are going to do together. Um, and, you know, I, I think that this uh, has us set up for a good last two episodes of the season. I'll be very interested to see what kind of curveball they throw us because, you know, we know they're going to throw us a curve. There's going to be gonna another, get at least you know, one. Yeah. And, you know, we still have a lot of questions between now that, that we have to ask between now and the end of the season. Like, what was the precipitating event to all of the bodies ending up in the lake? Uh, we also need to know whether or not they're going to figure out if, um, uh, Bernard is um, Bernardled or mm. Bernard Ford uh, in the in the present timeline, or Ford uh, Arnold. Like they have to give us or Ford Arnold. What? How are <laughs> yeah, we are we ever going to find Ford out? Mantos about... are out of control. But you know what you're um, saying is they're not going to pitch as a curveball. They're pitching nothing but knuckleballs. I mean. <laughs> Well, and I, and what, the thing is, I feel like we need some good high hard heaters at this point if we're going to drag the baseball <laughs> me- uh, metaphor into um, yet another I spot. I, I feel like I don't. I, I feel like we've seen a lot of knuckle this season, and this is where you bring the heater, uh, and that's where I really want to see some answers. I really want to see some answers to uh, you know who the Strand team is, why all those people had red cards. Uh, you know, made up in the in the in the most in the latest time frame, um, and. So and is this going to be the end the of uh, of Tessa Thompson on the show? Yes, you know. And, I don't know. I'm there, feeling like Satan's handmaiden's time has come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey. Well, I mean, I certainly, I certainly am a less. Um, I I've had a little Charlotte's character this season, and I certainly continue to feel that way after the way they've treated Maeve. And can we just give it up? We haven't mentioned Lee Sizemore scene uh, with. I'm uh, really going to need to talk Maeve. about it for a minute. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I totally I, I just want to say that was incredibly affecting, and I think an undeserved um, uh, re- uh, renewal for his character. 
uh, I, I kind of feel like, you know, he's the writer who's finally taking responsibility for his creations. Um, right. Which, as we all know, never, ever happens. Uh, and I, and I, I felt, um, I, I, I don't know, I just kind of felt like his redemption was un- undeserved there. And I, I have some problems with that, but I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get over it because again, it was incredibly affecting and beautifully portrayed and beautifully shot. Um, because you Simon have made laid open, kicked ass there, and uh, yes, yeah, respect. Uh, and, and so did, uh, and and so did Tandy Newton. So I mean, I, I I feel like I have some I have some difficulties with that moment, but I feel overall, um, I'm quite interested to see where they go with this. And so I need to take issue with you there. Um, only because I don't feel like it was unearned redemption because I don't think he was redeemed. I think he accidentally Agreed. let his human hang out is what actually happened. And so he had a moment where we all sort of went, oh, like maybe there is a person in, in there underneath that hard candy asshole coating. They've been, and... they've been pitching that for, <laughs> for for the last like four episodes where he's been present is trying to kind of steer him back from the guy who would get drunk and pee all over the map. Um, not to mention womanize his way Sorry. through pretty much whatever he could. Um, and, you know, essentially write really shitty plot, um, which he's incredibly good at. Yes. Uh, but however, I feel like, I, I, but if you'll let me complete my my point there i i definitely feel like they have been curving him back around toward uh human uh, a lot faster than than i think he deserved as part of this that's all uh, okay. oh i think he's gonna squirm i'm absolutely convinced that he's not done um and I feel I, I do think it's going to be harder to redeem him than say stubs who is uh, my current yes. WTF plotline, the thing that I really need out of the next two episodes, is what happens to our friendly neighborhood Hemsworth. This is really important yeah, to me. Yeah, he better not disappear for the last two episodes because like I he need did in him. Season one. I well, after you know, after seeing him be like, "Huh, Team Robot has some fucking merit." Like, I want to find out where that went. Um, after watching uh, Satan's Handmaiden uh, nail get. Uh, Father Abernathy nailed to the chair just to make sure his head didn't go anywhere. Um, I would be, I feel like I need to know what happened with him a whole bunch. Um, I feel like all they showed us in those last, in those, in those episodes with Sizemore is that he shook. Like, you know, he used to get to just sort of, you know, rotate out. And when he was in, you know, he had like park privileges and he got to go drink at the Mesa bar and whatever. And, you know, all of a sudden that's not his life anymore. And like, he needs to adjust some priorities and quick and he's seen some shit now. And I think that maybe that's affected him. And that's most of what we got with him in the last couple episodes where we've, we've had him is very little from him aside from being present in a situation. Right. And to to agree with Tom, uh, in a sense with, uh, with as Kelly is, I think, he didn't redeem himself yet because guilt is not redemption. Exactly. That's the direction of redemption when you can see that you're wrong. And the, the big step for Sizemore as a character is that he sees that he fucked up, but he hasn't fixed it yet. Right. Right. And And that's the thing that I need out of him. And that's why I don't feel like he's redeemed. So I can't get with, I can't get with the redemption of it yet only because of that. 
Part yeah. of me says that I mean, you don't give a guy you you, you don't give a guy a that just to make him turn his back. Um, and and I feel like the the, the setup is all there. I, I and I, I'm not going to sell him out. I'm not going to I'm not going to give I'm not going to bring the boom down until it's all said and done. Um, but I definitely have some. I that that that's my you know a, a moment of really. I mean, I loved that scene. I loved that scene, but I'm still not totally sold. So um, I, what I'm saying is, sell me, uh, and 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 let's see what these last two episodes can do. Um, oh, he hasn't earned it, and I absolutely need no. another chapter of him twisting in the fucking wind before he well, actually sure. like gets it. Like, yeah, I don't feel like he suffered enough. Now, I also don't feel like Charlotte will ever suffer enough. I don't care if they nail her to the mm-hmm. chair with that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm still gonna feel like you. you she really got off easy. You really want the bone saw back at her head? Oh, I have a deep down hate on for her. So, oh the, yes, I mean yeah, the last kind of the two, the last two episodes. Um, I was just looking uh, at the credits list. So uh, Stephen Williams is uh, going to direct. This is his first episode that he's directing this uh, this season, but he directed uh, Trace Gay episode eight last season, which I just dearly mm-hmm. love that's the you know that's right after uh, trompe oil where we find out bernard is the final cylon and mm-hmm. uh uh so he did that and i thought that was really good uh and this one is written by um uh episode nine is going to be written by robert patino who co-wrote uh the opening this season with lisa joy and i thought it was were- gina atwater and lisa joy on episode nine uh no, that's but maybe I'm wrong. I'm I'm going by Wikipedia and it says Robert Patino on episode nine. Uh, this is where I get try- get in trouble for using IMDb. I guess. Uh yeah, Gina Atwater and Jonah Nolan wrote uh, episode four, which is the Riddle of the Sp- uh, Sphinx. You know, that's the one with mm. uh, uh, lots of different James Delos's. And the last episode, we get uh, uh, Frederick uh, Iotoya again directing, who just did, you know, he did episode six and seven last season uh, that I loved. And uh, Nolan and Joy write the final episode. So if they're mm-hmm. coming in for the final one and doing it together. To bring uh, it home. Yeah. And it's because uh, they did the bicameral mind together, uh, mm-hmm. just like they did. Um, I think the first two, the first two episodes, the original and Chestnut, they wrote those together as well. So uh, yeah. yeah, they're going to bring it home. And uh, also, I know that the final episode, episode ten, is going to be ninety minutes. It's going to be an hour and a half. I don't know how long. That's called the Passenger, and I don't know how long episode nine, Vanishing Point, is going to be. Does it, do either of you two know? No. No, I. Don't at this point, I and mean, I don't think I've got a runtime yet. Um, it's uh, at least from from IMDb. It's still saying, let's see, do uh, do. Yeah, I don't have a runtime. Yeah, uh, the last time I checked IMDb, uh, they had copy and pasted all the runtimes for all the episodes the same after Akane no Mai, and it was like. Really? Yeah. Really? They're not going to be exactly to the minute of the same. What the hell's the matter with you? So, and Wikipedia doesn't have that information. I know the HBO site may have it, but I'd have to go through, I'd have to click 10,000 times to find it on the HBO website. Well, that is one annoying thing about it. (laughs) 
I think last time, uh, episode nine was a smidge longer, like it was an hour ten or something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I remember. Um, that it was a little bit longer, and then we got the full hour and a half yeah. in the season finale. So that is probably what will happen. I don't know. Um, so, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to next week because we've had a couple episodes away from some of our major characters. I'm not talking about the the preview. Just in general, we've had a couple episodes away from some of the fallout from some of our other stuff, and we haven't really seen a lot of most of those people or their plots, so we don't know how they're advancing. So, and we uh, haven't, I'm uh, we haven't to seen any up of those threads later. Yeah, we haven't seen any of Maeve's posse for two episodes. So I'm really looking forward to right. Uh, seeing... And we have a bunch of aftermath uh, from Angela dying as she took out the cradle. And we have the aftermath, like of the continuing aftermath of Teddy's reprogramming. Right. And Clementine getting shot. And we know from previews, Clementine is back in a later episode. So what else? That's either slight yeah, flashbacks flashback. or something else is going on. So we don't know what the yeah. hell is going on there. Uh, just a word of warning. Let's talk about looking ahead a little bit more specifically. I know some people who listen to these episodes don't like uh, spoilers that are in the HBO provided previews, folks. But here's your here's your trigger warning. We're going to talk about uh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. So this we got uh, a long shot of a bathtub. Yeah, long shot of a bathtub. If you didn't believe Tom about the spoiler horns, sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah, but how long awesome shot of is a bathtub. it? How awesome is it that Sailor Ward is going to be playing the older Juliet to Ed Harris's older William? Yes. Perfection. Yeah, that that is not only does she look like the actress who uh, was cast as the younger Juliet. I just, it suddenly struck me, but she's just such an awesome actress. She's amazing. I can't yeah. wait to see her and Ed Harris go toe-to-toe. I think it's going to be really awesome. Um, I'm, I'm curious if this is going to shed any light on what actually brought Emily Grace to the park. I would hope so. Yes. That's because I want to know about that notebook is really where I am. So I, I I feel like a wrap up, if they're going to wrap up William's arc and I kind of hope they do Mm -hmm. Zed Harris has been good with his story. I'd kind of like to see, you know, kind of his his story turn into, you know, flashback only, the same way we've seen Ford's story become flashback only, yes. um, with the exception of living on in Bernard's head. Um, you know, I would be just fine with that. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to see a completion element because I, I feel like let, let, let's let's tie a bow on something. Right. Yes, absolutely. So that's, that's a, I mean, I, I already talked about like what I'm looking forward to. I'm... Like I said, I'm curious about Emily because I'm curious about what we're going to find out uh, in depth about the man in black. Because somehow he feels like the one that we know the most and the least about at the same time. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. So I really I I want that to happen. And I want uh, like I said, I want to find out what the deal is with Stubbs. And uh, I need to find out what happens once Elsie has a real clear idea of how far afield all the hosts have in fact gone like when she's going to get a minute to process all of that as well. Like, is she going to come up against Dolores or what? And so Dolores, I really want to know. 
Uh, is she going to finally realize that uh, Bernard's not going to keep his promise because he was taken over by Ford again? Well, and what uh, I'm I'm also interested in Bernard now that we have a number of people who know he's a robot. Yeah. And how that fallout is going to go, and and again, how that's going to relate back to Subs because I feel like and and oh by the way, that all sheds light on that relationship later. If you think watching the trailer for the next episode is going to spoil it for you, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> uh, because this is Nolan and Joy. They're not going to show you anything that's really going to spoil the surprises. Because if you go back and look at the trailers for every episode, they're just fucking with us, folks. Uh, I mean, yep. it's top to bottom. Well, yeah, top some to people bottom. just don't like to be fucked with, and I get that. And <laughs> they just don't want to roll over in their head like that, and they want to wait for the thing. And I find, you know, this is one thing where I kind of love the modern trend of the bingeable show, um, because I mean, I would love to just mainline this entire season um, because there's Son, so much. I, just I do not have the bladder just, for know, that. Well, I mean, hey, fair enough. Take pee breaks. I ain't telling you not to. Your kidneys are important, my friend. Uh, but, you know, if I look at, you know, some of the challenge of the of the week in between the episodes mm-hmm. is that everybody just wants to take it apart and, entirely instead of enjoy the, the constant whole. Jesus and, Christ, you know, I, Tom, I get, Kelly and I do two shows a week. We're going to be out of business <laughs> if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was I like, I'm going to have to go I, back I, to I the really, Catskills. So, uh, well, yeah. I mean, in fairness, you do look good in an Indian suit. Yeah. So See, you're I mean, way off base. That that's not what happened, house. except that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, my challenge with, with, with a lot of this stuff is that I find like some of the, I, some of the anti-spoiler crowd to be, you know, don't tell us how you feel about an episode when we can't have possibly seen it, um, in this world that we live in, um, there's this thing called the quit button. And I strongly recommend that if you are concerned about being spoiled on an episode, just 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 quit Twitter for an hour. It's it's cool. Well, you can quit for three hours if you're on the West Coast and you can't watch it except via the by the broadcast box. I know it's 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 the one bad thing about living on the West Coast, right? I mean, you're three hours behind the East Coast on the on the whole TV frame. So I I, I feel sorry I, that, that if you felt that I, I ruined too much for you by saying um, how much I love the episode and how it made me feel. Um, but I'm also not that apologizing. Was so, for yeah, don't moment. apologize. For Christ's sakes, don't apologize. That guy, I'm sorry. Well, You're being, this guy was a troll. And uh, equating enough. equating liking <laughs> You know I'm cutting all this, right? You yeah, know that me, this is yeah. all just getting sliced. <laughs> I just had to have my moment of like catharsis. That's all. No, 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 I, no. I, I, I cathart away because I, I would have, Jesus, Tom, I would have been a lot more brutal about this than, uh, uh, than that. Uh, you are an incredibly shepherd. polite. I'm trying not and, to be the tyranny of evil men. But yeah. also for the record, fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, like in his butthole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kelly's not cutting that part though. She just like, let that stand alone <laughs> and, you know, just. Just be. Oh, by the way, something. Christ, I can't believe this. With Tom, with you on the show, we didn't talk about this. I just glanced down at oh, the, the music. notes. At the music, music. yeah. Heart shaped okay. box by Nirvana. My one of by Nirvana, one of my favorite bands of all time. But something I noticed, uh, and I swear to God, I didn't notice it the first time I listened to it. This wasn't the version 
that uh, Ramin Jawadi did for the season two trailer because this one is this one is piano only, and it's mm-hmm. played. And I totally endorse that. Endorse that choice for the record. It's yeah, slow uh, and by the way, beautiful, it's and it's it's reminiscent of Maeve's trip during season one to Motion Picture Soundtrack by Radiohead. Oh yeah, um, that 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 beautiful tour and that that moment of processing and and coming back and having to go like back to just being a robot, you know, being in this place that's foreign and maybe not necessarily understanding all of the stuff that's happening there, but knowing that like, you know, in order to get out, like I have to behave a certain way or whatever. And it was, I I thought it was beautiful. Now it wasn't the, the, the trip itself wasn't the part that stood out to me. I did enjoy the music, but um, the point of it was to get to cold storage in Kohana and may the point of Maeve's walk around was the walk around. So it was a little different, but It was a little familiar, and I liked the the subtle callback in that. Yes, yes. I I enjoyed the parallel there because they both they they are our I I feel like there are those are the two characters I find the most interesting. I I I, I don't I don't know. I understand why Dolores is angry. I empathize oh, with yes. that anger, but I don't find her affect and her dedication into her current state to work for me. Um, and now that's not to say Evan Rachel Wood isn't killing it out there because she is. But, <laughs> um, you know, I find Maeve and uh, Maeve's story and uh, Akechita's stories to be so so much more affecting because of who they are. That's it. Well, and also theirs, is, theirs isn't driven by anger or hatred. Theirs is driven by love right. and care. And, yes. and family. And I think that um, not being a person who is generally full of anger, I think that's why those resonate with me is because it's interesting to watch somebody driven by hatred because that's outside of my experience. So watching that is interesting. But the one that I care about is Maeve's quest for her daughter and now what we know of Kichita and how he became who he is and why he does what he does. And I think to me that's what it is is it's it's one of them is terribly interesting to watch and one of them is terribly relatable because we've all done crazy shit in the name of family crazy shit in the name of of loving someone that hard you know whatever and and I think that for me is the difference because yes Evan Rachel Wood is amazing and watching her do that is amazing but Very hard. the the stuff I think about and carry with me later is you know, like through the rest of the week until we get the next episode is uh, the emotional stories, the ones that are driven by love and family. And I think that's what it is for me. And to bring it back to you talking about binging, Tom, well, um, what I, I like about minute, that can is... Can I come in and, there and say it? Well, hold on. I, I just, then I'm done. I just like sitting with the theories and thinking about it a lot because it's fun to me to speculate, not because I necessarily need to pick everything apart, because I totally don't. There's only like four things I ever really want to pick apart, it seems like. But I enjoy sitting with it and spinning up what those possibilities could be. For me, that's sort of fun. I'm not the person that goes and like runs a compression algorithm on a JPEG that uses the numbers from Lost as the basis for calculation <laughs> so that I can get a separate sure. image and find out what it says. Um <laughs> Like that's that's not that's not the part that I like to do. The part that I like to do is just sort of think about them and what if it was this, what if it was that. That's the part that's fun for me. And that's sort of why I like to have the week between to sort of sit with that. Um except for this week getting to sit with the emotion of that and and just 
sort of absorb that that performance and live with it has been has been great it's been you know a little heartbreaking but like in a good way so anyway i agree uh what i was going to get back to saying about um dolores's storyline this season for me it's been about love and family uh it's just that her response to that is different from everybody else's and i i like that because i like the show because it's not one note I think sure. we see a lot of notes and I like the exploration of if you're going, you know, if you're going to go down that path, what does it mean to go down that path? And it's, um, I, I found the episode where she, she made the decisions about Teddy, the mm-hmm. part of that episode that I go back and I keep watching actually are those scenes with her and Teddy. Cause I love that because it is so goddamn uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and, but at its basis, I, I feel like Dolores's character is really also about love and fa- family. It's her reaction to that. That is so different. But I think Maeve's reaction, for example, is tremendously different from, uh, uh, does, right? And this episode was interesting because it was like, okay, we got a crossover where May finally understands Akichita's point of view. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when all three of them get together? Is there... Uh, yeah, is, I hope we find out. Yeah, well, I, I suspect that's why Nolan and Joy need 90 minutes for episode 10 because I think that's when the shit hits the fan. My prediction for next episodes, it's it's going to be half flashback with uh, old William and old Juliet, and it's going to uh, be half Maeve kicking out, or rather, it's going to be one-third that, one-third Maeve uh, starting the running of the bulls in the Mesa that we saw mm-hmm. from the original uh, trailer, yeah. and one-third it's going to be... Uh, everybody else coming up on the valley beyond you know dolores and teddy and it has to be because uh, we got to get everybody there before we have the episode that happens there right and so i i think we're going to have the episode split into thirds uh that way which is perfectly fine uh with mm-hmm. me because i want to get back uh because we know we from the preview we're going to see uh uh Teddy sitting naked on a bench somewhere. We don't know if it's in the past, the you know, the future mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, we know we're going to see Ford standing over Maeve. I don't know what the hell's up with that. Because if you look at that shot of her on the table and who's on the left-hand side of the screen, I'm sorry, that's Ford. So, because uh, I went back and, you know, went frame by frame there. So, yeah, some fun- funky things to get back to with this oh, show. Yes. And so. yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where we're going to go with this last two episodes. Um, we got a good solid one, 150 minutes. So, that's so a good. Pre- that's a good medium sized movie. It's it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a yeah. It's uh yeah. That's a uh, that's a David Fincher film. Uh, sure. so, so what I can't figure out though is what the fuck are they going to do for season three? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the question at this point, because I've got to think that at some point they have to leave the park. And again, there's three yep. more parks we haven't seen yet. So yep. um, and 
you know, I kind of want to get back to the uh, armistices, armistices, what, armistices, the, armistices. The, what, what, armistices. I think was what, what Jim called them. Yeah, which I enjoyed. And, and thank you, Jim, That's for that I term. I'm, I'm yes. and. And Hector, we don't know what we haven't seen anything out of Hector yep. in a while. Yeah. So. So I'm. Yeah, I'm that's what I mean by like having the break from all of our our previous favorites is is getting those. So I'm looking forward to those as well. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and call it there. Um, yeah, because we've only been recording for like almost two hours. So yeah, um, oh, I don't have any editing work to do or anything. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so be sorry, awesome. Kelly. I knew better than to. I always know better than to bring my message thread and just push record. I'm, uh, anyway, yeah, we'll figure it out. So, uh, <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed it. If you have crazy theories, if you want to tell us what you're looking forward to most on the last two episodes of the season, which is very sad. Have no fear for people who may have missed this um, in some of our earlier analysis shows. We will be doing a rewatch like we did for season one. Now that we know what we know, uh, we're going to go back and watch them again and see if we can pick up anything else that might be sort of interesting. You can give us your theories at Westworld Rewind on the Tweety Box. You can also find us at the same username on micro.blog. You can find me as Verso on Twitter. You should find me as Verso on micro.blog. You can find Don as Don Melton, both places, and on GitHub. If video transcoding is your thing, he goes by that secret name, Don Melton, over there. And Tom, where can the people find you? You can find me on the interwebs pretty much everywhere at T-Bridge. I've got a, you know, a, a, a Twitter, and I've got a, a micro.blog, although I don't use that last as I probably should. So maybe I should turn that into like a Westworld GIF blog, uh, GIF blog, one of those two. Um, and uh, we, can, we, we can go from that. But T-Bridge, every place on the interwebs. And if you want to hear Tom talk about more stuff, Tom hosts the Mac and Mince podcast at macandmince.org, right? And I can uh, tell you personally, I can tell you personally for Tom helping me save my dying iMac uh, the last uh, week and a half. He really knows the admin shit inside and out. <laughs> Thank you. He does indeed. Uh, he's talked me off many a ledge. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Tom for his mad skills. Uh, this has been Greetings from the Uncanny Valley, the incomparable TV podcast about Westworld. Thank you to Jason and everyone at The Incomparable for hosting us. I have been your host this week, Kelly Gamont. With me, as always, is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Uh-huh. Party on, Garth. And thank you again to Tom Bridge for being with us tonight. Thanks, Tom. My pleasure. And until next week, be excellent to each other. Bye.